Uh, this week we are starting a new series called Story of My Life. That's not because I love One Direction, though I do. Uh, it just is a cool title. So this is a new series, Story of My Life. And here's what we're trying to do for the next couple of weeks. Is really look at the ins and outs and ask some questions about sharing your story. What's the, what, what, what's the power of your story? How do you share your story? What, what's that all about? Because here's the deal. If you are in Christ, you have a story to tell. And it's worth telling. And so I hope over these next few weeks that you would get motivated, that you would get excited about sharing that very story. And so tonight we'll start with this week one, but I'll illustrate it like this. So a couple of years ago for Christmas, I got this really manly gift. Uh, there was this thing in a box with two other drills, which is like, I'm officially a man. I got a power tool for Christmas. This is great. So this came with it. Uh, and if you're aware of this is a flashlight. So, uh, here's the deal. It's made by DeWalt. You don't care. That doesn't matter. It's a uh, 20 volts max. I don't even know what that means, but you don't care either. Uh, it, it's an, it's a nice light. This is, if you know how these work, this is the battery, right? You can put them on the thing. They recharge and then you slide it in, right? So with the, with the battery in, it works, right? Look at that. It's so great. With the battery in, it works, right? It's a light. It does the whole thing. With the battery out, it doesn't work. Shocking. I know, right? But listen, this is a really nice, this is a really nice, like, this is a really nice device. Like, it's made by, it's made by DeWalt. It's a 20 volt max. It's, it's an LED bulb, like it's really, really nice. You don't understand, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter how nice it is. It doesn't matter the details of this machine because apart from the power source, it has no power. It doesn't do what it's functioning. It's supposed to function to do. You see, unless it's connected to its power source, it doesn't function like it should. See, the only thing that gives this thing the function that it should, the only thing that gives this thing power, the only thing that makes this thing what it actually is, is its connection to the power source, the battery. Now, why do I tell you that? Because that's how it is when it comes to sharing our stories, that the details are all different. If you asked everybody their story in here, all of the details are different. But it's not the details of our story. That are the power. It's the power source that it's connected to. That's the power. You see our stories aren't about the details. And about who's telling it. It's about the power source that it's connected to. And that power source is Jesus. So John chapter 9. We're going to look at this scene in the scriptures. I'm going to start in verse 1. It's going to be a lot, a lot of scripture. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but it's a good story. So follow with me, go with me, and then we'll walk back through this story together. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. As he, that's Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but the work of God, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool called Pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. 
The neighbors and those who had seen him before a beggar were saying, it is not the man. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to him, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said the man is not from God for the who for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again, the blind to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received the sight and asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, that they would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him for. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God had spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered him. Why the, the, the man answered him? Why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him. You were born in utter sin and you should teach us. And they cast him out. All right. That's a lot of scripture, but let's move through this story. And here's what I want to do. I just want to grab on some things that we learn. We really get to see this guy's story unfold before our eyes. But what we can learn is what are some, some concrete things about stories that Jesus gives us? And what are some things that we can learn from that from John chapter nine? And maybe the, the, the first question that we need to ask is this is what do I mean when I say your story? That's pretty churchy. It's pretty Christiany. Like it's, we're familiar with it in the church, but if you're not in the church all that much, that seems weird. You're like, what's, what are we talking about when we say share your story? You may have heard it, share your testimony. That's similar, but it's this, that the story of who you were before Christ, when you believed Christ and how you are now living for Christ, that's your story. The story of who you were before Christ, when you believed Christ, and how you are now living for Christ. That's your story. When I say share your story, that's what I'm talking about. If we could just simplify it into one phrase. Who you were before, when you were saved, and how you're now living for Christ. That's your story. So what are a few things we can grab onto from John chapter 9 from this scene that tell us about the power of our story? The power of our story. The first thing is this. Look down at verse 1. 
And he, Jesus, passed by the way. He saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So this is, the, this is the scene. They walk by this guy. They see him. He's blind. He's begging. And they're wondering, hey, Jesus, who sinned, him or his parents? Because they thought, well, if, this is a, if, if his life's going bad, it must be because he has sinned in his life. Or it must be because his parents sinned. So he got cursed and he got blind. He's blind from birth. And Jesus' answer, look at verse 3. Jesus answered it. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but the work, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says, you know what? He's not blind because his parents sinned. He's not blind because he sinned. He's blind for the glory of God right now. He's blind so that right now people would see the glory of God manifesting right in front of their eyes. Verse four, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud. You're like, that's real gross, Jesus. You just put that on his face. But he puts it on his eyes, rubs it on his eyes. And he's like, hey, go wash off your eyes at the pool called Siloam. And he goes to the pool, washes his eyes, and he can now see. Like, was blind, now sees. Miracle happens. Because here's what's true about the power of your story and the power of this guy's story. That your story and his story is powerful because it tells of the power of Jesus. Your story is powerful because it tells of the power of Jesus. You see, so often we get worried. I don't really have that good of a story. My story's not really that cool. My story's not really that powerful. I kind of grew up in the church. and I got saved when I was eight, so my story's not all that big of a deal. But your story is powerful because it tells of the power of Jesus. You read stories like John chapter 9, you're like, this guy got his sight back, dude. I've grown up in the church my whole life. How's my story supposed to be Powerful. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, speaking of everybody, everybody who has become a Christ follower. This is Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Everybody's story is that story. You were enemies of God. But you were dead in your sin. That's your story. That's my story. But this is the rest of the story. Look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So if you've ever wondered. Is my story powerful? Ephesians chapter 2 just told you. Your story is powerful. Whether you became a Christian at 7. Or at 17. Or at 70. Your story is powerful. Not because of the details. But because of the source it's connected to. And the one who took you from death. And brought you to life. That's why your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. Because it's about the power of Jesus. So for you to be ashamed of the story that you have to tell. That you had parents that loved God and brought you up in the church. And you became a Christ follower early on. For you to be ashamed of that. Is to be ashamed of the story that God has given you by his grace. It's more of a God problem than a you problem. And honestly. It's a great story to tell. You had parents that loved God and passed that faith down to you and said, 
We want you to believe Jesus. And there was a moment where God, by his grace, took you from death to life. I don't care if you were seven. God opened your eyes. You were a sinner, someone who had rejected God. Whether your sin was lying about your toys at playtime or if it was injecting a drug in your veins, it's sin all the same. It's rejection of God all the same. And we desperately need Jesus to come and rescue us. You see, the story that you have to tell is powerful because it tells of the power of Jesus. Tells of the power of Jesus. Second thing we learn, look down in verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It's he. Others said, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So this is the scene. He comes back, he's now seeing, and they're like, Isn't this the dude that used to sit there and beg blind? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I think it's him. And some were like, no, 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 it looks like him. It's like his twin. It's like his twin that can see. They're like, what? And the guy's like, it's me. What do you want me to do? It's me. Verse 10. So they said to him, then how are your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They're confused because he has so been transformed by Jesus. They don't even recognize him. They're like, it can't be you because now you can see. He's like, yeah, that's right. Because I came in contact with Jesus and he changed my life. You see, your story is powerful enough to affect those who hear it. The second thing about the power of your story, your story is powerful enough to affect those who hear it. These people hear this guy's story. I can see now. And they're like, well, how did you, how did you see? And he says, Jesus gave me sight. I was blind and now I see. Your story is powerful enough to affect those who hear it. In this story, what, what, what are the, what's the effects? What does it affect about the people in the story? The first thing is this, is they recognize the transformation of this guy. They recognize there's been a change. They come to him. They're like, uh, we understand that you look like the blind guy, but you're not blind. So you can't be the blind guy, right? That doesn't make any sense. He's like, I'm, I'm the guy. I can see now. They recognize that he is different. Listen, that should be true of us too. If you're in here and you're claiming to be a Christ follower, the life that you lived before Christ and the life that you live now in Christ ought to look different. Because if 2 Corinthians 5 is right, that we've been made new creations, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come, we ought to look different. If you think, man, I, I look no different. I act the exact same way. I think about God the exact same way. I think about people the exact same way. I talk the exact same way. I treat people the exact same way. And it's nothing in line with who Jesus is and what God expects of you. You might need to ask the question, what gospel did I believe? Because the gospel of Jesus transforms everything about us. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. I am not perfect. But the Bible says this, that we are transformed one degree of glory to the next. Day by day, we are being transformed one degree of glory to the next. So God is making you more like his son, Jesus, every single day. We ought to be different. We ought to be different. The second thing they notice about the man, or the second effect that they have, I'm sorry, 
is they want more of Jesus. Look at verse 12. He answers them, it was Jesus that made me receive my sight. And they said, they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. On hearing this Jesus, this man, he gave me my sight. He transformed my life. They're like, great, take us to him. We want to be around that guy. If he is, if he's given blind folks their sight, we want to be around him. It ought to be the same for us when we tell our story. The listeners should be affected such as they want more of Jesus. Because if that guy's making dead people live, I want to be around him. And listen, that's your story. That Jesus made a dead person live. Jesus made a dead person live. John 4, uh, 39 says this. This is, the, this is the woman at the well scene, right? Jesus meets with her, calls her out, and calls him to himself. And she runs into town to tell everybody about this Jesus. And John 4, 39 says this. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. She went back, said her story to those people. And you know what happened? They believed Jesus. Why? Because they saw the power of Jesus in her. It wasn't some great story. It wasn't because she was great at telling it. It was because they saw the power of Jesus in her. And, she, and they thought, if that guy's in the business of making dead people live, I want to be around him. I want to be around him. Your story has the power to affect the people that hear it. Your story is the greatest, one of, one of the greatest evangelism weapons that you carry. You want to know, how do I share my faith? Start by telling your story. Start by telling your story. The third thing we see from this scene is your story is powerful in the face of opposition. Your story is powerful in the face of opposition. So they want to go see Jesus, but then they, instead they take it to the Pharisees. Well, that's not good because the Pharisees are already upset with Jesus. So they take this to the Pharisees and they say, hey, there's this dude named Jesus. He just healed this blind guy. And the Pharisees are like, well, it's the Sabbath. That's not okay. What kind of guy that loves God heals on the Sabbath? They're pitching a fit because Jesus is actually doing what God desires him to do, doing what God is actually wanting his people to do. So they pitch a fit. They go to the guy and they're like, hey, uh, what's going on? How do you receive your sight? They even call in his parents. They're like, hey, is this your son? They're like, yeah, it looks a lot like him. They're like, well, is it him? He's like, well, yeah, he can see now. And they're like, okay, well, great. How does he see? And they're like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Don't talk, don't talk to me. They're, they get scared because they're afraid. Well, if we side with Jesus, they're going to throw us out of the synagogue. I don't want to be one of those people. So they say, why don't you just ask him? He's old enough. It's his problem. I don't care. If your parents bail on you like that, that's real cold. Like that's messed up. But your stories are powerful enough, powerful in the face of opposition. Look down at verse 24. So for the second time, they, the Pharisees, called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They say to him, hey, why don't you honor God and tell us that Jesus is a sinner? Just tell us. Just put it out there. This guy's a sinner. He healed on the Sabbath. He must be a sinner. Look at his response. Verse 25. He answered. Whether he is a sinner, I don't, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He doesn't even engage their question that well, right? They ask him, well, isn't Jesus a sinner? Isn't he this, blah, 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 this? He's like, look, I, I don't know about all that. Here's what I know. I was blind, Jesus showed up, and now I can see. So you got to deal with it. What do you want me to do with, man? Like, 
And they're not going to refute him. They're not going to be like, no, you can't see now. He's like, yes, I can. I can see you. And you're making a face at me. I don't like it. Nobody's going to refute that story because it happened to him. So listen. Your story has that same power. Your story is powerful in the face of opposition. Why? Because your story happened to you. Your story happened to you. So when you tell your story of how Jesus transformed your life, of how he brought you from death to life, whatever those details look like, I don't know. Nobody gets to look at you and tell you that's not true. You see, so many times we're terrified to share our faith because we're afraid we've got friends that are brilliant and they're going to give you an argument that you're like, I don't know the answer to that. Can I Google it and get right back to you? Which is fair. That's fine. But you just don't want to be that person in that scenario. You don't want to look at that person and go, I don't know the answer to that question. And you're like, yeah, see, you Christians, you just don't know anything. You're like, that's not true, man. Like, you just asked me a really hard question. But you know what they can't refute? Your story. When you tell your story of what God did in your life, what God did in your life through Jesus, they can't, they can't look at you and go, uh, that's not true at all. Because you're the evidence that it's true. Just like the blind guy was evidence that it's true because now he can see. Nobody's looking at him going, yeah, you're lying. You're faking this thing. He's like, dude, I can't fake walk and not hit stuff. You see, you're the evidence of the transformation. When you tell your story of what God has done, you're the evidence. So do not let anybody tell you that it's not true. It is the power of God in your life. Use it. Tell people your story. Tell people your story. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know your story. And the natural question then is this. Okay, great. I want to tell my story. How do I tell my story? You'll have to come back next week when we talk about how to tell your story. You're not going to want to miss it. If you think you did that on purpose, you'd be right. (laughs) Listen, you've got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell. Whether you think it's lame or not, it's not. Because it's about how God made a dead thing live. That's incredible. That's miraculous. That's miraculous. Why would we not want to tell that story?